0: All Three Beards Media podcasts originate from the Gravitate Coworking Studio, sponsored by Revelton Distilling Company.
1: This Three Beards Media podcast may contain mature themes, and if you're not down with that, we got three words for you. Like the podcast. Nailed
2: it! It's like samples on my nuts.
1: Hello and welcome back to another edition of Old Man Strength on the Three Beards Media Network. This is Chris Shipley, your host, my co-host Aaron Wall. Aaron, how are you doing today?
3: Yeah, I'm doing good, Chris. I've I've decided that now I'm offended by the fact that I'm staring at a drink in the intro. Not just my bald head, but (laughs) I'm just staring at a drink longingly, apparently. Listen, I I think you're just using me as your whipping boy in this stuff.
1: I'm just telling you, man, you can send over a new photo, but that was the best one I could find off. I stole (laughs) off your Facebook page.
2: The only other things you
1: have out there are ones from like 20 years ago where you look like you're young. There are no good photos
3: of me. Yeah. So
1: so. what can I say? It's I'm I'm stuck with what I got to work with.
3: So yeah, that's
1: fair. (laughs) So. Well, we're going to, to uh, we're going to have a really fun show today. I've uh, been trying to get this gentleman on uh, for a year. Uh, he's super busy, so uh, we don't want to delay anybody because you know nobody's here to see us anyways. So uh, correct. But uh, we are really thrilled to have on uh, the pod uh, Keith Murphy, sports director, of WHO TV thirteen, Murph and Andy, Sound Off. Uh, I don't know, what, godfather of local sports radio? Is that, is that right, Keith? Uh, maybe
2: risking most overexposure, but glad to be here.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess you could fight godfather. You can fight that name with John Walters. You guys can battle it out for that name.
2: I think John so. gets that. Yeah, I think John gets that. He's uh, He's got a couple of years on me and a great reputation, and we all have to kiss the ring.
1: There you go. Well, uh, probably the best thing to do, start. I, I give you a brief little introduction, but why don't why don't you tell everybody a little bit about about yourself, what all you're doing, and and we can go from there.
2: Well, I, I work a couple of jobs as you pointed out on both radio and television. I've been at WHO thirteen as a sports director there, and and hosting Sound Off for nearly thirty years now. And been doing the radio show with Andy, the Murph and Andy show, for 15 years now. And like you guys, I think quite a bit of my time is taken up by something that doesn't really pay and isn't a job, but now feels like it's part of the job, which is social media, whether it's uh, X, formerly Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, it just seems uh, seems to keep us all busy even beyond the normal jobs we have but i'm really fortunate to have had a career this long and i've enjoyed it and i'm still having fun i still love it so uh it certainly has changed in those decades but in a way that i've I- i've enjoyed and i'm willing to find out what's next you
1: Am I remembering right? You started at, at WOI TV, Channel 5, though. Is that right?
2: I did. It wasn't my first job, but it was my first job in Iowa. And right. when I when I went there, I, I had never been to Iowa. I took the job over the phone and pulled a U-Haul behind my Honda Civic to what I thought was Des Moines, Iowa, because <laughs> that, the market was Des Moines. And sure. I knew... I knew the station said Ames, but I'm thinking like, walk here, Johnston. I'm thinking suburb. And I was driving up through Des Moines and was following the signs to Ames. I was like, God, it's... I hope I haven't missed it. Because this is the old open up the map and risk your life to <laughs> you know, to find out where you're going days. There's no GPS. Nobody has uh, the Garmin or anything like that. You opened up the old map paper map and then tried to fold it back together. So I didn't really realize where I was going, but it, it turns out that, you know, I was on the campus of Iowa State University. Back then, the station was was right there across from the old armory. And that's where I went to work initially and and learned so much and worked with some great people there and made many lifelong friends. About three or four years into it, we we moved the station down to Des Moines, much to the chagrin of people in Ames and the and the north part of the DMA. But uh, that is where I started. Yeah.
3: Now, now, what time frame would that have been roughly? Uh,
2: 1990 is uh, when I started there. So long time ago, but it'd been 90 to 96. I went to WHO 13 in 96. Okay. Summer. Of so 96. that puts.
3: That makes it basically between when you
2: and I were in Ames, Chris. Yeah, yeah. That I was, was there. that was by yeah. design. You guys already they had they had warned me.
1: <laughs> <I remember laughs> I'm sure. Well, I don't know. I school. wasn't on campus much because I I got kicked out, but that's a whole other story. So uh, yeah,
3: I and I, I and I got there in the fall of '96. So,
1: so first time in Iowa. So where you grew up in Florida, right?
2: I grew up in Vermont. I was born in Vermont and uh, early part of my life was there. And then we moved uh, to Florida. I went to high school in Florida, Central Florida, worked at Disney World in high school a little bit. Uh, then I went to college at Valdosta State University, which is on the Florida Georgia line, but not affiliated with the country music duo. And <laughs> th- I, that was where I got my first job. I got my my first job at an ABC affiliate there in Valdosta tiny station had pro wrestling on the weekends only did the newscast Monday through Friday and they would clear the set out of there, set up a rink in our news studio surround it with folding chairs and we would have pro wrestling on the weekends. Just give you a little idea of of, of what that station (laughs) was like, but it was perfect for me because I was in over my head. I didn't know what I was doing and I was allowed to, Make a lot of mistakes and learn on the job, and try about anything I wanted to. Like I said, I, I'd like to do a high school football show on Friday nights because high school football in Georgia is, as I'm sure you guys know, huge. So we, they were like, "Sure, go ahead." I mean, you, they'd say yes to anything, and that's a great that's a great environment to learn because a lot of what I did at this tiny station in Valdosta. Knowing what I know now, I would think, well, we can't do that. We don't have enough people. That's not possible. I'd need to also have a life. But <laughs> yeah. back then it was just, you know, do whatever you want. Um, and I look back on some of it and I try to never watch it because it's really uncomfortable because so much of it is just flat out bad. But um, it is how you learn. You Repetitions.
1: Yeah, well, you have the ability to go back and see how far you've come. So tell me a little bit about, um, let's start kind of growing up. What was home like life? Uh, I always like that Aaron and I uh, and and the previous host, Tim, always kind of talk about our dads and things like that. And that's always, Mm -hmm. you know, a a fun topic and get some memories. But tell me, tell me what it was like growing up as Keith Murphy.
2: Okay. Before I do that, I can see I'm on a hassle text chain right now. I'm hearing the thing. It's not going to stop anytime soon. So that means I need to turn my messages off here, right? <laughs> the computer, yeah. Is that correct? Okay. Let me see how I do that. Uh, quit. Okay. It's hopefully that did it. I just hit the quit okay. thing and it there should. You go. Yeah. All Split. right. Because yeah. oh, somehow
3: he's trying to steal the spotlight from you and yeah. you're on somewhere else. Typical. Well,
2: He has no idea I'm sure, but I'm telling you. So on this chain is uh, Chris Williams, Scott Sipker, Andy Fails, and Hassel. And once Hassel gets going, it doesn't stop. There'll be 18 messages in the next half hour. You'll never hear from Andy. Andy never chimes in unless there's something extreme. Sipker pretty frequently. Williams depends on what's going on in his life because he has a crisis every couple of hours. (laughs) <laughs> uh, back to my home life as a kid that was a question right yeah um absolute sports fanatic like in a way that as i look back on it was probably probably unhealthy like my whole life revolved around sports my my identity in high school was sports and playing sports i took it way too seriously um i i I pouted when I lost. a loss would ruin my weekends. My whole life revolved around sports. My relationships uh finished second to sports. I still hear the ding, so that didn't go off. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, I'm gonna I am going to i, I to tell these guys, hang on. Uh, I you you keep dinging, please take, please take me out on air. Thanks. Do and you think the the most,
1: Yeah, this is the most important show you're going to be on all day, Keith. Tell him that.
2: I'm trying to see how seriously I'm taking it. These are going to do it. So uh, one of the, one of the things that happened is my uh, college was great for me because a lot of people they think of high school as the the best years of their lives of their life, but I was was so into sports, and as I said, like in a in a way that I. I don't think was healthy. And my identity was wrapped up in that. I just, when I got to college, it was like a whole new world. Nobody knew who I was. Um, and I just, I started, I played football for one year, but I I, I got hospitalized and and uh, my football career was over after neck injury. And then I just started playing intramurals. I started playing for fun. I started to see the whole Sports experience in a whole different light. And it kind of changed my life from that point on. and i wish I wish I could go back and approach it differently as a kid. I, I, I I'm still a work in progress. I'm always trying to learn as I go. But the thing I tried to really have my kids understand is that sports should be fun and you want to win. You want to do your best, but it it shouldn't feel like pressure. It shouldn't be life or death all the time. And uh, that's kind of the way I treated it. My parents, by the way, were fantastic. They they went to every – I played four sports most most of my years, even as a kid, and they were at every game and usually every practice. And they were not helicopter parents or – uh, sports parents that yelled at officials or, um, put pressure on me. They just wanted me to be happy, but they knew how much I loved it. So they completely supported me. So they were wonderful. And, uh, I learned so much from them, but I guess my take, the, uh, thing I take away from my child is that I wish I had just had more fun and not put, the kind of pressure on myself I did. And when I was at a class reunion, I was talking to people about this and they uh, they were just like, oh, I don't really know what you're talking about. So some of this might be internal, but I think most of us look back on our lives and think now that I know what I know, I wish I had done this differently. And that, that's one of the things I wish I had done differently.
1: That That's interesting because I I, I grew up such a big sports fan and, and my, my girl's, We're not necessarily big sports fans, and I remember my oldest one got to an age where she played soccer every year, and I could tell she just wasn't enjoying it. It wasn't any fun, and we were getting to that age now where you're playing sports now for competitive reasons less than fun, right? 14, 15 years old, and I remember sitting down with her, and and I said, you know, now's the time to make a decision, you know if you want to keep playing it's going to get serious these kids are going to be serious and you know it's not you can't miss practice and things like that but if that's not what you want you need to make the decision and she kind of admitted to me that she was playing more because she thought i would be disappointed and that was one of the first times that i i had to to recognize that you look up to your parents and you don't want to disappoint them and sometimes you have to let them know Listen, it's okay. You, this is your life, not mine. You go do what you want to do and enjoy it. It's fine. So it's kind of a different perspective there. So,
2: yeah, it's good you had that awareness though, because not everybody does. And I, I know, and my parents always let me know they didn't care what I did. They just wanted me to be happy and they were always supportive. And I, I wish I had uh, kind of taken that more to heart because they, they were right about their approach. And, you know, I was one of those kids and there are kids all over right now that think they're going to be in the NFL or they're going to play Major League Baseball or something. You're you're delusional when you're young for the most part. I mean, it's a tiny percentage <laughs> of people that even get a college scholarship to a D1 school, let alone make it all the way to the pros. It's a very exclusive club. And there we see it everywhere right now. There are so many parents who are wrapping up. Not only their kids hopes and dreams, but in some cases the parents hopes and dreams that this kid becomes a professional athlete some someday and it's it's highly unlikely. So enjoy yourself. Enjoy the sports. Enjoy your time with your friends. It's like if you talk to a kid about Little League Baseball, a lot of the kids will tell you the thing they enjoy least is the parents. You know, they're just trying to have fun. Most of them. Most, Most of the kids are just there to be with their buddies Hang out, have fun, and they're not there to feel pressure. They're not all wrapped up in it, they're not yelling at the umpires and stuff. And I think we could probably all do better to back off that a little bit and just let kids have fun.
3: Sure. Yeah, I I've had to have that conversation with some parents when I was an athletic director back in Iowa Ooh. and explain okay. to you explain to them the the odds and say, you are you willing to wrap up tens of thousands of dollars on a less than one percent chance of something happening. You know, they just, they commit to this. I was like, if you want to do it for fun, that's great. But some of them were banking on it being a college scholarship or this, that, or the other. I'm like, it's just the odds are not in your favor to mortgage yourself into debt for this kind of stuff. And we see people doing it all the time. Now it's crazy town.
2: It is. And it seems like if you are a, a good enough athlete, Usually they'll find you anyway, even and not in every case, but usually they'll, they'll find you. I mean, we we see that in Iowa. So there are some schools that lack the resource like Des Moines North does does not have the resources of Dowling or Valley or Centennial or Waukee or Waukee Northwest. But there are players who go from Des Moines North to Division One scholarship football. And we see examples like that everywhere. I know it, it certainly can help you to be a part of that big machine of youth sports, but if you've got the goods in time, it seems like usually you can find a shot.
1: Yeah, uh, giving a couple questions, which will turn into to the next topic that I wanted to hit. But first of all, Dave wants to know if you tweet all your stuff, or is there anyone in the background? Because you seem to be all over the place. I'm not sure how you keep up with it all.
2: Oh, uh, I tweet all my own stuff. Uh, nobody, I do all my own writing, post all my own stuff. There's there's nobody else to do it. That'd be nice. If, if there was, I'd, I'd take an assistant. But if if there was somebody that could help me with it, I would be uh, transparent about that. I, would, I wouldn't have someone posting on my behalf and not let people know it's someone else. I think that'd be disingenuous. That's true.
3: That'd be right. funny though. That's a really <laughs> hot take from Keith on this. He's like, "That wasn't me."
1: <laughs> uh, so actually, uh, that kind of leads into my next question. And, and Denny was Denny, kind of uh, one of our listeners had, had popped it in the in the comments as well. You're so busy. Uh, part of the conversation that you and I had before this was is that you like to give time to to your family and so on because you have such limited time. Uh, how did you meet Jenny and, and, and let's, let's hear about that. Cause you guys are, I love that you guys are so open about your, your vacations and, and your family and things like that. Uh, and I think, you know, obviously, uh, as a side point, I want to tell you how glad I am to hear that your son is doing better. I know he was uh, having some trouble down there health-wise in in Arizona, so I'm glad to hear that he's doing well, but let's talk about Jenny and your family and how that, how you met her.
2: Well, uh, (sighs) She uh, she probably won't love me sharing this story, but um, we're we're uh, Jenny and I are a blended family with six boys, and uh, we we each have two and and adopted two, so we had six, six total. But back when we met, it was nearly 20 years ago, and I was out eating with my parents, and uh, um, there was a really loud turns out they'd been partying all day it was uh Jenny and her aunts and cousins it's just a really uh loud table to our our right and at some point they a, a drink arrived at the table and the waitress there said uh, this is from uh, a star bar That's where it was i think, of the name star bar in Des or on in ingersoll and they said this. This is from that table, uh, but I'm not allowed to tell you who. And I, I looked over at my, to my parents and I said, uh, I can, I, I wish it would be her, but I'll bet it wasn't from her. But it was her. <laughs> uh, it was Jane because she was just this, uh, just this really personable, funny, pretty. I, mean, I was just instantly attracted to her whole personality and all of that. So that is that is how we met. She hit on me. She sent the drink. Yes, she came after me. <laughs> and uh it it kind of um just took off from there and it's been a real blessing for me. Um I'm just I'm so thankful. I I uh, in my relationships in the past, I've learned a lot from Uh, some of the mistakes I've made and sometimes focusing on the wrong things, but I'm thankful like most of the mistakes and missteps that I've taken in my life. I'm appreciative because it has led me to where I am now. Like I, I am thankful for Jenny every day. Like I appreciate her so much and 25 years ago, I probably wouldn't be, I probably would take her for granted, but now um, I, I just, I know how great we are for each other. I know how much I enjoy spending time with her. Uh, I love our travels together. We're finally empty nesters and we're traveling more and she's just a blast. And sometimes knowing you've got a good thing takes realizing some of the perspective you have of how fortunate you are. So I am, I'm truly thankful uh because they're you know we don't go to the star bar that night maybe we never meet maybe I don't have as much happiness as I have in my life so I don't ever want to take that for granted because um I'm lucky I- I'm I'm lucky to have her and I hope she feels the same She seems like she does
3: little do you know that Jenny's our next guest and we're gonna ask her if she feels the <laughs> same way. No, I'm just <laughs>
1: <laughs> I so uh, I I I kind of um I don't know I relate a little bit to that story. I'm also in a blended family. Uh Stacy and I met 14 years ago. Uh she had two little boys, I had two girls. Um and I wouldn't I wouldn't even think that they aren't, you know, that we aren't that we are a blended family. It's just our family. You know what I mean? That's right. But uh to your point as far as recognizing your mistakes and things like that. I, I, I had a conversation with Caitlin, uh, my youngest daughter, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, cause we were talking about her mom. And I said, you know, sometimes when you, when you have those instances, you have to sit and look and, and look at yourself and see what you did wrong. Mm-hmm. Because any future relationship that you have with anybody, if you can't be honest with yourself and, and, and how you were, you can't evolve and you can't, you can't get better. So uh, when I hear you say those things, it's just, I relate to that quite a bit because you, you do. And then you look at what you have now. I know I do. And I, I I love the life that I have now. And I'm very thankful. And I've said a hundred times that uh, an angel came into my life when I met her. So uh, I, I just relate to exactly to what you were saying there.
2: Yeah. And I, you know, my 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 mistakes aren't, you know, criminal matters or uh, cheating on anybody or anything like that. Right. Mostly is was just being too self-involved and and not appreciating enough um, the other things in my life, the other people in my life. Just the the world revolved around me a little bit too much in my own mind. And I'm far removed from that now, and I'm I'm better for it. I, I look back at my 20-year-old self and my 30-year-old self, and sometimes I don't even recognize that guy. But I think that's a good thing because if I, if I thought I was the same right now as I was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I hope 10 years from now, if I'm still alive and kicking, I hope to look back and think, boy, 10 years ago, I still had some growing to do. Cause I, I am, I am trying to do that. I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting uglier, I'm losing more hair. Um, you know, that a lot of stuff is going in a negative direction physically, but mentally I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I, I, I love this age. I love this age more than I've loved any other age each year. Generally I'm enjoying more than the one before it. So there's something really hopeful in that for me. And uh, hopefully other people find that hopeful, too. but I, I, I think it's, for me, it comes from a place of appreciating others in the world and appreciating all the positives in my life and getting it out, getting away from my ego a little bit and and just um, just realizing that's that's not what makes you happy. just like I, I do take my job seriously but it's not the most important thing in my life, not close. Um, and, and I don't ever want it to be. So I want to work hard and then I want to play hard.
1: Uh, I think uh, we're going to take a break here. We'll get a word from uh, our two sponsors and then uh, you guys are making then, money on this. Oh, Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Your cut, your, your cut's coming, Keith.
3: Ten tens get- tens of dollars.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, that's a hundred percent. But, and then I want to come back and talk to you about your job and some of the fun stuff that that you do. And then I really want to talk to you about um, probably the one thing that I was most impressed with you was during COVID and how you switched, you flipped a switch and became, I I don't want to say a serious reporter. That's not what I mean, but there were, there were serious issues that you felt you needed to, to report on as well. So I really want to hit on that. Uh, So let's get a word from Revelton Distilling Company. Uh, our wonderful sponsor and gravitate co-working uh, our studio sponsor
0: why take the best corn in the world and make it into fuel when you could make it into whiskey that's the question that launched revelton iowa's most visible and fastest growing distillery owners rob and christy taylor embrace the grain to glass philosophy sourcing ingredients locally and overseeing on-premises production and bottling at their facility in osceola one sip, and you'll agree that Revelton's handcrafted whiskies, gins, and vodkas are the best you've ever tasted. And with the launch of their rye whiskey, made with 100% Iowa grown rye and corn, and their new bourbon coming soon, there's more Revelton to love than ever. Iowa's own Revelton Distillery. ReveltonDistillery.com The great thing about working from home is working from home. The worst thing is working from home, especially for face-to-face collaborations with customers and coworkers. And let's face it, coffee shop meetings are neither private nor professional. So skip the trip to Starbs and investigate Gravitate co-working Space. For more than 10 years, Gravitate has provided large and small office and conference spaces perfect for hosting meetings, workshops, or other events, as well as private phone booths for confidential conversations. Plus, all spaces include secure fiber internet, free coffee, and access to a kitchenette. All you need is your laptop. Gravitate does the rest. And renting space at Gravitate is surprisingly affordable. An hour of office space costs about the same as venti caramel macchiatos and breakfast sandwiches for two. Daily and monthly rates are also available with no long-term commitment. Learn more at gravitatecoworking.com. That's gravitatecoworking.com.
1: All right, and we're back. Uh, thanks again to Rob and Christie down at Revelton Distilling Company uh, with their continued support and Jeff and his crew at Gravitate Co-working. Uh really appreciate that. Keith, uh before we took that break, uh I wanted to dive into to your work at WHO and and at, at KXNO, but I I think where I want to start is is COVID happened, uh the world shut down and all of a sudden you you're tweeting out important statistics about hospitalizations and, and infections and things like that. I guess what made you decide to, to do that? I, that's kind of an odd question, but you know, being a sports guy, people on the outside wouldn't think that that is something that you
2: were going to do. There was no plan. It wasn't something I planned to do more than a, a time or two just have this kind of Facebook community um through through my page and there's quite a bit of back and forth on there sometimes most of it friendly discourse not always of course but i just kind of felt like many people did that i felt a little helpless and there weren't a lot of sports going on if any and i just wanted to feel like i was doing something so it just it started as just like here's some information And then people asked more questions. I got a lot of direct messages, a lot of feedback. And then people started sending photos of, you know, positives that were coming out of the pandemic. Like, you know, Jenny and I, for instance, went on walks together. She loves to go on walks. I don't really like to go on walks, but I started to enjoy going on walks with her and people started sending videos of their kids playing or doing outdoor activities that they sometimes didn't do or just finding family time they wouldn't have otherwise had. So I started posting some of those photos too, which led to more. And then we started putting, we never went a night without a, without a sports cast, which most newscasts across the country did do away with sports casts. And I understand why, but we, we just started Airing daily videos of positivity and photos of positivity, and also did some tournaments of like greatest Iowa sports moment and you know, greatest Iowa sp- sports star, biggest kick to the stones, which if I could have it over, I would not have done that. People were dealing with enough mental <laughs> anguish, and I relive I don't t- know how you
1: I don't know how Iowa State ones you kept to 10 because they're brutal. Oh. I'll tell you right now. <laughs>
2: And Iowa State won it too, and 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 there were there was quite a bit of feedback after the tournament was already going. With who thought this was a good idea? It was like you know what, <laughs> they're right. This is a bad idea. This is giving people flashbacks of pain. So uh, the you know the tournament of pain was a a bad idea. But that's just how it kind of came about. And then over time, um, people just. Kept saying, appreciate that you're just giving us the facts and letting us decide for ourselves. Because I did come to learn during that time that I don't know what the percentage is, but there are a lot of people who don't trust that the media is not slanting the information to an agenda one way or the other, be it left or right or progressive or conservative or whatever, however you want to frame it. There's just a lot of suspicion out there. And I think much of it founded suspicion that that there's a narrative and that at times people are looking for the confirmation bias of facts that will present and strengthen their argument and their narrative. So oh, this works for the point I've been making. And it's really hard, even presented with actual facts and data, to get people off their position. I, I did a commentary on SoundOff during the pandemic that I, I thought we needed to resume all sports and that just following the actual data without an agenda, I think we were, I, I felt like we were seeing young athletes are young healthy athletes are not at risk and college athletes playing outdoor sports are not at, are not at risk. And that given everything we're seeing that we, we should resume sports. And man, that's the most blowback I've ever gotten, especially in private messages. There were, you know, there were people that are telling me like, well, hope you'll stand by this when they're stacking the bodies up. And, you know, when all the athletes in Iowa, when, when we have to deal with all these deaths. And it did give me a little pause, some of the, you know, just the gravity of some of these messages of concern. Because, of course, I was concerned about that. But I had been looking for not a narrative or not an agenda, but just like, what are these actual facts telling us about COVID and who's most at risk of of death or, or something bad happening? And um, Iowa was the first state to resume sports, as I'm sure uh, you know, we, we, we resumed high school sports. And it, you know, now looking back on it, it's going to be a fascinating documentary someday. But like they're, they're scrubbing the softballs on a softball diamond. But we didn't know at that time we didn't. We thought that might help like rub the softballs. Uh, people are out there playing softball outdoors in mass and that kind of thing. But we did resume sports. There weren't any deaths. Um, I don't even think there were any hospitalizations of, of athletes, at least none that I ever know of. And then, you know, later it got into that college uh deal where the big 10 twice canceled the football season and john sears and i kept doing commentaries that they they need to play they need to get back out there it's football it's outdoors they can do this and again there were a lot of people and i think from i i think they were sincere in their fears i don't i don't think
1: mm-hmm.
2: we're being purposely alarmist I'm, I'm not trying to portray people as as uh being cruel or unkind. I think it was coming from a good place. I just think many of the people that were most upset were getting their facts from someone who had an agenda that this is absolute panic and we should all stay in our houses and uh, nobody should go anywhere in public. But the Big Ten finally did resume football, and that all uh, was okay too. And I don't feel uh, I told you so from this. I just feel like the thing I learned the most was that uh there's a real distrust out there for not all but much of the media having an agenda.
1: Yeah. Aaron, I wasn't sure if you wanted to chime in there.
3: Uh no, I'm going I'm going to pass. <laughs> um I, I I have opinions but it's not important right now.
1: Well, I think, I, I think we, we talked to, we talked to Elias when he was on. And I think that's, that's just a narrative out there is that journalism and, and some other professions, teachers, things like that are kind of under attack right now. And when you start to make journalism, untrustworthy source and, and portray them as an untrustworthy source, uh, that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous game.
2: It, it is because there are really good journalists, local journalists, uh, Iowa journalists. There are really good journalists nationally, of course. Um, there are bad actors in every profession. In, in, in television, um, you, know, you, you, can, you can say you have concerns about a police officer who didn't do his job well without saying all police officers are bad because most are good i mean you can sit there every profession has uh, people are really great at their job and do well and every profession has a few that maybe make the rest uh wish they weren't in that profession because it it shines a bad light uh so I, i i think that's like this we should never forget that you of course you can trust some people in media and of course you can trust uh, teachers who have such a difficult job to do. but it doesn't mean you should trust every right journalist. Uh, you do need to see what what's the what's the reason for what I'm hearing is this is there an agenda here is there is there something behind this? Um, and then we are in a world and I, I I see this with my own extended family. there are people who are watching programs, three, four hours a day that are just telling them their own already formed opinion back at them. So what, how much are you going to learn from that? You're not going to learn because what you're, you, you have somebody preaching to the choir and you're the choir and that happens all the time. People are seeking out somebody to confirm their already formed opinion. And if they don't agree rather than have discourse or try to learn or have a discussion, just shout back at you that you're wrong and go look somewhere else for that same opinion. And that's a real problem. And I don't think anybody has the answer to it except we all need to talk to each other more. I mean, I, I do try to listen to people, especially when they disagree with me, if it's, if it's reasonable disagreement and sometimes I learn and sometimes I say, you know what? Uh, You're right. I'm wrong. I hadn't thought of it that way or, I didn't realize that. I mean we need that. And as I get older, I'm getting more open minded. I know that it oftentimes goes the other way, but I was more of a know it all and a young, you know, knucklehead than I am now. Now that I'm getting older, it's you know, it's it's the old adage of, you know, the older I get, the smarter my parents get. <laughs> it it's kind of that way too. I'm as I as I get older, I realize how much I don't know. Right.
1: Uh, yeah. And, and people's perceived bias already entered. We can talk about that in regards to sports. I can't tell you how many times I see you get tweeted at, you'll say something and somebody that the the central argument and half of the people are like, he's a Hawkeye, he's trashing the Cyclones Mm -hmm. and the, and the other half are, oh, look, he's a Cyclone Homer. And I just sit here and go, he was completely down the middle. Like, I don't even understand where you came up
2: with that it is confirmation bias and most of the time something like that is said there is bias involved because they'll they'll accuse me of bias and i'll say yeah there is bias involved here your bias and that that's kind of the irony of it is like if you can be at cyclones or hawkeyes and this is this is not everybody this is a this is a niche of the fan base in and it's fans of basically the same everywhere in every program We just all tend to think they're, they're different or our, 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 fans are great. Your fans suck, but they're, you know, I've been around a lot of fans and generally the, the same everywhere. They all suck. Like say, say I'm talking to a cyclone fan and I say great things about the cyclones. I don't really get any credit for that because that cyclone fan already feels like, well, he's just talking about the natural order of things. You know, that's uh, no credit for that. But if I say that about the Hawkeyes, that's like, oh, listen to that. Listen to this guy just sucking up to the Hawkeyes. Obviously a Hawkeye fan. So you don't get credit for saying what they believe to already be true. And you get dinged if you say anything positive about the other side. So it does lead to just the the constant back and forth. But I, I don't take it personally. And I have seen enough examples in my decades that, Most, the overwhelming majority of fans realize the difference between sports hate and real hate. And when they really have to, I feel like most fans get out of the fandom and go back to just being, you know, citizens of Iowa or citizens of the United States and good people who want to help each other out. Not always, but in most cases and as in politics or sports, we give way too much attention and time to these really loud niches. If you're talking about politics to the extreme progressive left and the the right-wing wackos, you know, we give way too much attention to those extremes. And it's the same with sports. Most Cyclone and Hawkeye fans are reasonable. They might jab each other, but they get it. But there's, you know, there's some who don't get it. And they just come in and they, they blow up a thread and get everybody upset. Sure. And the next thing you know, finger pointing is going, and and we do give too much time to them.
3: I mean, I fire the mem- the Hawkeye members of Three Beard Media all the time. Fired. If you're fired, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. That's you right. You know who you are, people, and then we just rehire them. So
1: that's right. Because they actually are talented and we would like to keep them around. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> well let's 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 move into something fun uh what is the most memorable event
2: you've covered oh uh, boy most memorable event i've covered i i i think the the best I've ever seen well there are two things that come to mind they're both from a long time ago the uh um uh, the comeback of Fred Hoiberg Cyclones under Johnny Orr against Oklahoma state when the court was shaking, it was so loud in Hilton Coliseum. I don't remember what year that was, but it was the early nineties where way, way, way behind. And it was, uh, I think Oklahoma state was number two and Believe the guy shooting the free throws to win it was named Darwin Alexander, maybe. But anyway, he's like a ninety percent free throw shooter, and he missed them both. And I remember Fred after the game just talking about he had never felt the court shake under his feet before. That's how loud it was yeah. in there. Uh, and that was incredible. And I think long time ago, so I could be conflating here, but I think that's when uh, I think that's when Johnny Orr said, we just beat the number two team in the nation. You want to put that in your paper? Because yeah. uh, he, he was always poking so a little bit. That is
1: now the third Johnny Orr impression we've had on this podcast.
2: You have to do so, one. They're if, if so you know good. Him. I miss Johnny. God, I love Johnny. He was so good to me. Uh, it'd be hard for Johnny to to be a coach in this modern era, uh, probably to a lesser extent Hayden Fry too, but Johnny was a treat. But the things that you heard the most from him that were so entertaining, now they would, you know, he'd be canceled on social media for some <laughs> things. He said at cyclone clubs and golf gatherings because nobody was there recording it with a phone or putting it on social media. So that, that was uh, an absolute blast just to witness a comeback like that and to feel it be that loud in there. And then the other one. Uh, it would be the end of the cap one bowl, Nick Saban's LSU team. And it looked like they had Iowa beat and the Tate to Holloway pass on the final play. And just to see the stadium erupt like that back when a bowl game like that meant quite a bit more than bowl games mean. Now it did, it did. I was uh, at the, at, at the final four, when Iowa upset South Carolina last year. And that was, that was pretty cool too, because I didn't see that coming at all. I was like 12 or 14 point underdog and what South Carolina won like 43 in a row or something like that, defending champs. And I just didn't expect uh, that Iowa would, would win that game. And that, that was cool to see. We don't have a lot of moments like that in the state of Iowa where you're, you're that close to the national championship.
1: You, uh, you work every day with your one of your best friends, Andy. Mm-hmm. How much fun is it to work that radio that that radio show every day with Andy?
2: It's fun. It's more fun now that he's not getting up at two in the morning <laughs> because that yeah that drained him. He'll be the first to tell you there were there were days when I would look over at him and he would have that you know sleep deprivation look on his face that we all know just the. And I would I'd I'd see him and I'd think, oh, I'm not gonna get much from him today. He just looked like he had he needed a nap or had just been up from a nap. There weren't many days like that, but there would be some. There are no days like that now because he's out of that morning shift eight years of getting up two in the morning. But it's it's so much fun because Andy and I are um we're just we're different, but we're respectful. I feel like I feel like you have to be able to uh, challenge somebody, disagree with somebody, keep talking to somebody and not take it personally to, to realize you have mutual respect and that you're, that it's better actually, if your opinions aren't always the same and I don't always agree with him and he doesn't always agree with me, but I don't, I don't take it personally and I listen to him and I learn from him. He's very smart, smarter than I am. And it's just uh we, we have different views on some things, and I think that's better.
1: So when you – uh how do I want to phrase this question? You – I think it was in January of 2020 when all the layoffs came and mm-hmm. you and Andy basically refused to go on the air. What was that conversation like, and were you a little nervous that that might – blow Back or come back on or, or or backfire on you.
2: I was in Mexico um, with my wife on vacation. So it was January. We we're just looking for some uh, sun and <laughs> warm up a little bit. And the phone rang that morning, and it was Andy. And I I told Jenny. I was like, uh oh, this is serious because Andy is one of those friends I have that. I never hear from him when I'm on vacation or from him when he's on vacation. You know, some people you still hear from or you get a text from or they have a little bit of a problem. They need to. Andy is one of those people that feels like if you're on vacation, I am I'm not bothering you with anything. So I looked down and saw that. It was Andy and, and wondered. My first thought was that somebody had had died because that's how much I've never heard from Andy on vacation. Well, I picked the phone up. And he told me what had happened: that the three shows um, that Andrew had had been laid off, and that the afternoon show and the morning show had been um, dismissed, fired, done. And I said, "Well, what, how? When? How long?" He's like, "Today." And I was in shock because we had no hint that any of that was coming. And then I heard that you know Andrew and some of the other people who are friends of ours were like escorted out of the building. Like they were, you know, like they couldn't be trusted or criminals or something. They might take a computer with them or something. So I was offended by that. I thought that was a really bad look. Um, I know it's some corporate decision somewhere, but still, I, I I feel like on a local level, somebody could have come to a, a more reasonable way to have this play out. But, Andy said they wanted us to, because our show was spared, and they wanted us to do the show that afternoon. And I told Andy, um, I didn't think we should. I didn't think he should. I didn't think I should. When I came back, I think we need an explanation for why this happened. And that I did not want to continue to work at a place that treated people after all those years the way they had been treated that day. So if this, if this meant the show is done, I can live with that. And Andy um, said, uh, well, I, I keep hearing my father's voice in my head and my father's voice is you go do the job, you show up and you do the job. And your job is to go do the show today. And I said, I completely respect that you have to do what you think, but I don't think we should do it. And I, I'm not going to do it. So Andy listened to me, and I, uh, I have so much respect for him that this meant a lot to me. And he said, "Well, I, I, I will follow your lead on this." So we respectfully let Joel McRae know, and we like Joel. It wasn't his decision. We let Joel know we're we're not doing the show, and we got quite a bit of attention for that. But to be honest, we had other, we have other jobs, you know, our full-time jobs at WHO 13. That wasn't what was factoring in to my decision. And I would like to think I would do the same thing, even if that had been my only job, but it's easier to be principled and to take a stand like that when you have a fallback plan. I promise that wasn't what I was thinking at the time, but I think it's e- I, I think it's easier for us to have done that for than for other people to do it. And, um, the feedback we got from the community was unlike anything anyone ever expected or would have been would have believed. I don't mean us particular. I just mean the people who valued local radio and didn't want those shows to go together, and it kind of became, a movement where, by the end of the week, there were national stories being done on all this blowback and feedback in this one radio market, which is just remarkable when you look back on it. So it was a a, a, a time and a, a time and, and place and a situation that that I'll never forget. And then a few days later, Joel McRae called me and said what if we brought everybody back? And I was like, I, is that even possible? Because I've never heard of that. I've never heard of it happening. In fact, it's so rare. There were some radio hosts in other parts of the state that were accusing KXNL of this all being a stunt, which uh, you know, Ross Peterson and Andrew Downs and a couple other people said, well, could you tell my wife and children that right. they were in tears? But I think it was just because it didn't seem possible that, they would get their jobs back and these shows would return. But Joel convinced iHeart to move it over to FM, and that with that move, the ratings would increase so much that they could cover the expense of bringing people back. And that—that that is uh, what ended up happening. And I don't expect to see anything like that again. So that's kind of the old how it all happened story. Crazy.
1: Uh we're gonna uh, we've got just two quick more segments, Keith, and then we'll get you out of here. I know your time is uh,
2: Is this another commercial break? How much dough are you guys raking in?
1: <laughs> Not enough that I can't quit my other job based off principle, I can tell you that. So uh I and then again, I don't have any principles, so that's a whole nother story. So uh but uh Aaron will ask you the uh Kyle Wintrust uh mortgage question of the pod, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about kyle so go ahead aaron
3: (laughs) oh um what is the question oh yeah if if you could uh go back in time and talk to your 18 year old self what advice Mm. would you give yourself uh what would you tell yourself to to do
2: oh I think it's not too far from what I talked about earlier. I think I would just tell my 18 year old self to stop taking myself so seriously um, to relax and find more happiness from all these great people I had in my life at that time. And many of them are still in my life now, but I think that's, that's the main thing is just, just don't, worry so much about every little thing. I was, I was too serious. Um, I worried too much about what people thought. Um, I worried too much about winning versus just having fun. And if I could go back in time and, and tell my 18-year-old self, it would just be to uh, um, just ha- enjoy yourself more. Um, reach out to people more Uh, make sure people know how you feel more I was always good about that with my parents and those really close to me but I've gotten that's like a big emphasis in my life now is just letting letting people know how I feel and and how much they mean to me because I I might not you know you never know no no nothing's promised so um, I, I remember as my as my mom and dad were, and my dad especially when he was declining. You know, every time I saw him, I would end with, "Hey, Dad, I, I just, I to, I just want to thank you for being such a great dad, I and mean, you are awesome." And he, he, it would always mean, you know, I could see what it meant to him. And I did the same thing with my mom, and she would, you know, the last thing I said to her was like, "Mom." Uh, thank you so much for, for being a good mom. And she said, thank, thank you so much for being a good son. And that's a good final conversation to have. Uh, and I've tried to do that more with, with friends now and people I work with and just to I don't know, let them know you appreciate them. And, and uh, I didn't do enough of that when I was 18, because I was too self-centered, I was too self-involved. So I guess the crux of that advice is just get over yourself and spend more time worrying about everything going on around you instead of what's in your head.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Dave's right. We need all the money we can get. I got to replace a shower curtain that I have behind me. That's a that's a. <laughs> it's, 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 he makes fun I, of my he makes fun of my curtains all the time. I don't. I'm
2: know. only worried if that shower curtain was originally white. No, no, it was. That's not mold it's, or anything. It's,
1: no, it's pristine. It's it's totally fine. Uh, okay, last thing. Uh, this is kind of the fun part for you, Keith. Uh, this is the portion of the show where Aaron and I be quiet, and you get to say whatever the hell you want without any oh. repercussions whatsoever. This came about from uh, Steph Copley being on the pod once, and she uh, kindly told us to shut the fuck up because we <laughs> we, we weren't letting her get her point in. So, uh, in honor of Steph, we decided to, uh, to invite people to donate to the young women's resource center in her name. Uh, so we'll get a little word from Steph. And then when we come back, we're going to shut the fuck up and you can say whatever you want. And if that means you want to make fun of hassle, now's your chance. Oh, wow. Hey everybody. It's Steph Copley, the woman behind the STFU segment on the old man strength podcast, when I told the guys I wanted to sponsor this segment, they recommended that I make a charitable donation instead. So that's what I did. I chose the Young Women's Resource Center in Des Moines, Iowa. They're a nonprofit that supports, educates, and advocates for girls and young women ages 10 to 24. Their whole goal is to make sure that these young women become strong, self-confident, and successful. And if you know me at all, you know that aligns with my goals as well. If you're interested and would like to donate, check them out at ywrc. Org and donate today and remember don't forget to stfu and listen every once in a while thanks all
2: right. Wow. all right okay i i was going to talk about the wonder of val kilmer's performance as doc holiday in tombstone <laughs> it was just magnificent but that hearing steph and how serious that is i'll try to i think i'll make it something more serious with some of the things we've talked about today, which has been uh, maybe more more uh, serious than I was expecting, I think that the the thing I would ask of people in 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 Steph's honor here and with this uh, nice platform to say whatever I want is to try to think of somebody you should reach out to and call and then do it. Um, this is something I've been doing more lately, like old friends or a relative you don't talk to that often and you pick up the phone and you call them and it is just feels great. It feels great for you and it feels great from the person who's heard from you. And I, I always found it difficult to do this because as the years go by, especially it's been years, but even months, sometimes you just feel like so much time has gone by that it's difficult to reach out. What am I going to say? Uh, I can't believe it's, it's lasted this long but then you reach out to them and they're they're so happy to hear from you and you catch up and uh the time just washes away and suddenly you're just you're talking to that that family member or that special friend or somebody you haven't talked to in a long time and uh i, I can't recommend it highly enough to n- not not send a, a text is okay but call talk to somebody reach out to somebody not don't just check their facebook page but have a conversation, or if they're in your area, visit them. Uh, if your parents are still alive, you know, call them. I called my mom and dad every day, and they're gone now, and I, I wish, uh, I wish, you know, I wish I could call them today. So time goes by fast. Uh, I can remember when, um, <laughs> it just seems like not that long ago, I was too young to be considered for some jobs. Now I'm probably too old to be considered for some jobs, and it seems like that just went by quickly. So, reach out, find somebody you haven't spoken to in a while that's a that means something to you, and after you do, I'd, I'm almost certain you'll be glad you did.
1: Great. All right, Aaron, you got anything else? I
3: don't think so. That was pretty darn good advice. So, yeah, we'll take it.
1: Well, Keith, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and, and close out. Uh, Denny wants to thank you for your openness, and he loves you even though you're a Hawkeye. So, <laughs> that's
2: good. Well, I hope it's, is there an opportunity for somebody to get a shot in at me being a, a cyclone by the end of the? No, oh, I'm sure.
1: I'm um, sure there is.
2: Uh, yeah, it it. Uh, my wife tries to keep up with the score at some point of of which way it tends to be more and. We thought we had something figured out along those lines, but I think it's as simple as whoever's having more success, I tend to be affiliated with with that side because they get there's just there's more posts and more positive messaging and that kind of thing. But for a while I was definitely accused of being a cyclone more because as you noted early in this podcast, I was at I was at five, which was in Ames. And part of that job was doing play-by-play for what was called the Cyclone Television Network. Do you guys remember CTN? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did that. And I hosted the Johnny Orr show and then the Tim Floyd show. So oh, a long time ago, it wasn't like I chose to do those. It was just, it was a, a really welcome <laughs> part of the job. So it was that way for a while Hawkeye fans just uh, saw me in, in that light but since I, I would say it's evened up, or maybe even flipped more toward. Was it Denny that said, even though I'm, yeah,
1: high?
2: yeah, and Jenny is an Iowa State alum, but two of our kids just graduated from Iowa recently, so it it's really hard to track down. Sometimes I have difficulty myself.
1: Uh, I, I, I think after this Super Bowl, when Brock and 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 George win a Super Bowl together, maybe that'll just. Heal the state. I'm sure that'll heal the state.
2: Chris, I can't tell you how thankful I am that those two are both on the 49ers. Because if it was just Brock and all the 49ers and the 49 uh, getting all this attention, Hawkeye fans, <laughs> the ones we're talking about, the lunatic fringe, yep. it would be nonstop insufferable. And if it were just George and the 49ers getting a lot of attention, Cyclone fans would be coming at some of that. So I think it's great that they're both on there. It's good for me anyway. And I love that they're – those two are so different. But yeah. they're friends and they're, they work well together. I mean, one one came out of Kohl's and the other came out of the wrestling ring and they meet <laughs> in the middle and they're awesome.
1: I heard that quote yesterday and I was like, hey, I shop at Kohl's. There's nothing yeah, wrong with that. I do
2: too. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the crazy thing about Kohl's is – I mean, if you go in there with your your coupons and your discounts, sometimes they 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 give you money as you, yes, you that's put right. up like, yeah. three things of Levi's and, you know, four shirts and nine pair of underwear. And somehow they owe you three dollars and fifty two cents.
1: My, my wife will be like, we saved three hundred and eighty five dollars. And I'd be like, no, not really, because I wouldn't have spent that to begin with. So,
2: It's a it's a clever gimmick. It is.
1: All right, uh, Aaron, you got anything else before we ha- uh, get out of here?
3: No, I don't, I'm not really. Just want to thank you for coming on and giving us the time, and uh, we really appreciate it.
2: Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here, and it was nice talking to you guys. And I'm sorry I didn't have a beard. I know it says three beards, and I shaved this morning. We're looking I...
1: for a third one. we the, and... the key is Keith. You grow a beard, and all the gray comes out of your top. That's, that's
2: oh, great. good. Yeah, good it's quite a bit of gray to come out of my top there what about sipker is he auditioned for this thing or is he he's more overexposed he's on the I... list he's on the list i'll get oh. to him he's got and, a beard if
3: you, if you ever want to have a full episode to just talk about tombstone i'm in
2: oh okay yeah call, <laughs> call me back for that i would love to i, I love that movie me too <laughs>
1: All right. Thank you, uh, Keith. I'm, I'm sure our listenership will boost by tens because of this. So we really appreciate it. Uh, and thank you for your time. Uh, everybody, thank you for for giving us a listen. Uh, check out the rest of the pods that happened this week. Uh, Three Beards Media Network. Uh, and with that, we are out of here.